step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Welcome to Lady Teal's Curios. I'm your host, Lady Teal. If you are looking for a podcast that covers the bizarre, the unusual, the strange, and the wonderful, this is for you. From oddities to curiosities, I cover peculiar people, places, and things. Today, I'm excited to bring you a new series, Wanderings with Lady Teal. 2020 has been a strange year, as you already may have experienced. With the move across country, the intermittent internet service that we have here, and the recent loss of our beloved Trek, I have found it incredibly difficult to continue the old format of interviewing guests on my show on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And so I'm planning on holding off on the cross-country interviews until I have better access to internet. (laughs) I will try to get the occasional in-person interview, but for now, I, I just thought I would bring a new series of episodes that focuses on unique places around the country, specifically places with a unique history, a unique purpose, or places that are just unique in nature. And all of these places are locations that I have been to myself, so I can give you a first-hand look inside these unique places. This new series is definitely a direct result of my change of lifestyle. For those who have not been following along, 2020 is the year we sold our 2,000-square-foot home and moved into our 26-foot camper to travel full-time. 2020, as you are very well familiar if you are listening to this podcast in 2020, is also the year of the pandemic that has completely altered the way we live, work, eat, and travel. Otherwise, if you are listening to this in the much distant future, this will be an actual live account of the historic events that have occurred in the year of 2020. (laughs) My husband, Christian, and I have been very fortunate. We were able to use a program called Harvest Hosts that allow you to stay one night on the property of wineries, breweries, museums, and very unique places across the country. So we set on our journey from Georgia to California, where we had a short-term gig, and traveling from Georgia to California during a pandemic proved no easy feat, but we managed to make it and encountered some very unusual places along the way. While my way of life is unusual in of itself, I'd rather focus on these peculiar locations I found whilst wandering across the country. Thanks for joining me on this new adventure, and remember, stay curious! All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be, blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. J.R.R. Tolkien
Just as death gives way to new life, so do endings give way to new beginnings. This evening, we shall begin at the end of our first journey, which takes place in the small coastal town of Wallala, California. You likely have not heard of Wallala, California. I had not heard of this small, unincorporated community in Mendocino County until I accepted a temporary position here. Named by the native Pomo people for where the water flows down, Wallala is located along California's stunning coastal Highway 1. To get to Wallala, if you are coming from the south, you'll travel through a variety of other small towns such as Guerneville, Monte Rio, Jenner, and Duncan's Mills, each with their own quirky appeal. Driving through these small towns reminded me of the southern coast of England. Lots of cottages, rolling mountainous hills, and sheep moseying along the cliffs that look over jagged rocks jutting out of the Pacific Ocean. Take a break on the long and winding road to hike the Jenner Highlands. Pull off on one of the turnouts along Highway 1 and watch as the fog rolls in. Stare long enough at the horizon and you may even spot some charter boats, small as a speck of pepper against an endless turquoise and blue expanse. You'll pass through historic Russian settlements and forts, epic bluffs where you can gaze upon the crashing waves, and right before you get to Wallala, you'll travel through a planned community called Sea Ranch with buildings clearly designed with a distinct style of architecture. Finally, you'll cross over the bridge of the Wallala River, and you'll find yourself in the small town. The first building that is the most noticeable is also one of the oldest in town, the Wallala Hotel and Saloon. Originally built in 1903 when Wallala was a mill town, the Wallala Mill originated in the 1860s and was Mendocino County's southernmost point of the Redwoods. According to an article in the fall issue of Western Railroader in 1984, Wallala's mill completed much of its logging with bull teams. The railways were larger, which could indicate that this provided enough room for two bull teams. The mill burned down and was rebuilt under multiple names until 1923 when it was disbanded. It was last known as the National Redwood Company. Unfortunately, many of the larger, more ancient redwoods were logged during this time period. In fact, you'll find photos from the earlier 1900s to the 1940s of the evolution of logging in Wallala. A photo of five men standing along a 17-foot-wide cut redwood shows just how large some of these trees were back then. Another rare photo shows the inside of the mill, with a tree measuring about 8 feet in diameter. And the transition from bulls to trains to trucks is seen in a final photo from 1941 with large pieces of redwood strapped to the back. What is Wallala known for today then? Most likely it's tourism, although it's a small town where everyone knows everyone and they don't look kindly upon tourists. <laughs> In our short time of working here since late May, we've gotten to know the area quite well. The surrounding beaches, the majestic new growth redwoods, which are still much larger than any of the trees I've ever seen back on the East Coast. The moment we saw the first bit of redwoods reminded me of something out of The Lord of the Rings. 
The forests here are magical indeed. When you camp among these natural giants, as one fellow camper put it, if you weren't spiritual before, stay a few nights beneath these trees and I guarantee you, you'll have some profound awakening. Sorrel covers the ground. Deer poke their head around the trees. Stellar jays call out during your lunch, alerting other birds nearby of dropped breadcrumbs, and yellow banana slugs leave their sparkling trail of slime behind on the trunks of trees and the duff below. Giant ferns dance above the sorrel, giving the landscape a Jurassic feel. And even more giant are the trees themselves, with trunks so large you could fit multiple people across. Within the park we are staying at is a cathedral tree. Also known as a fairy ring, cathedral trees are the result of roots and stumps of baby trees forming in a ring around the original tree after the original tree or the mother tree's stump is damaged and rotted away. The interesting thing about cathedral trees is that if you look at their genetic information within, you would find identical information in each of them as well as the mother tree. This indicates that they are, in fact, clones. The coastal redwoods are said to have spanned across the northern hemisphere 65 to 110 million years ago. Some of the larger redwoods that remain along the coast of California date back to 2,000 years old. When looking at the trees, it's hard not to be transported back in time. Place your hand along the thick bark of the trunk, and you'll feel the breaths of a thousand lifetimes pulsating through your fingertips. The redwood forest has a beat of its own, and feels more alive than any ecosystem I've ever been in before. The juxtaposition of the forest so close to the seemingly endless ocean is startling, yet exhilarating. Every time you leave the redwoods within just a few minutes, you are met by the abyss of the deep, deep blue. Just think, these two vastly different ways of life coexist side by side with a river connecting the two worlds. The ocean greets you with a salty breeze, and the temperature can be a solid 10 degrees warmer once you are out from under the redwood canopy. Driftwood and seaweed often scatter the beaches. There's definitely something hypnotizing about the waves crashing into the jagged rocks. Sometimes, when I sit on the beach and watch the waves, I feel as I could fast forward time and the cliffs would be eroded into odd shapes that perplex the mind. There's not one thing in particular that is special about Wallala. The town is not regularly purported to have ghosts or hauntings, though I find that a bit hard to believe with the history of the Pomo natives living here than the history of the rail workers and loggers that came in the late 1800s. As mentioned earlier, the Wallala Hotel and Saloon still stand, but it is not currently operating, and I honestly have yet to hear a single ghost story at all from any of the locals. 
There's no aliens, no Bigfoot, no hidden cult that I could find, no horrible murder stories, or so I thought. I was telling some coworkers that I was about to record an episode on Wallala, and I had not found anything out of the ordinary for the town. It seemed to be just your quiet little beach town. One of my fellow employees mentioned that the area just north of us, called China Gulch along the Wallala River, received its name for the many Chinese deaths that occurred. Now this was something I had not found in any of the history books I had read about Wallala. A story like this just does not form out of thin air. So I started on the search for murders in Wallala related to this China Gulch, and I was surprised with what I discovered. Wallala was not the peaceful, quiet town I had thought it was. In fact, this search had me going down a rabbit hole. It had its own secrets buried deep within the redwood forests and beneath the ocean sands. But what town doesn't have its own secrets? My search first started with the history of the Chinese laborers that were employed through the mid-1800s until the early 1900s. Chinese immigrants received much backlash and hatred upon entry into California, and this was not just in the town of Wallala, but all over the state. They were hired for cheap labor, discriminated against, and blamed for the depression that was going on during that period. Lynchings, violence, expulsions from the cities were commonplace for Chinese settlers during the 1870s. And as the rumor goes, that is exactly what happened here in Wallala at China Gulch alongside the Wallala River. Now, keep in mind that everything I've heard about China Gulch regarding the Chinese murders in Wallala specifically is, as of right now, strictly hearsay. The only history I could find regarding China Gulch was that it was named for the Chinese workers who lived and worked in the area. But that isn't at all what the rumors state. Imagine working hard for weeks, cutting down redwoods, working alongside ox, every day grinding at the railroad or the mill. Finally, the day comes to collect your payment. You walk up with your fellow Chinese workers and are suddenly surrounded by white men who immediately bind your hands and kill you and your fellow men either by lynching or, if you were lucky, by gunfire. This was not the only buried secret I found within Wallala. A 1904 newspaper article from the Press Democrat speaks of a Hildsburg rancher found in the Wallala River standing erect with a bullet in his head. The article states, The death of Alex Schuhart, who was until last week the owner of a ranch on Pena Creek, is enveloped in mystery, and other theories as to how he came to his death seem to be outweighed by strong suspicions that he was met with foul play. The article continues to discuss how the 28-year-old man was well-known in the area, and family was surprised to hear of his untimely demise. The body was found with the pistol in the pocket, as if someone had planted it there to look like suicide. In this article, it states that three of the chambers had been discharged. However, in another newspaper, the San Francisco Call, the account is a bit different. The mystery is still there, though. 
The article goes on to say how Shuhart had ridden over from Hildsburg and sold his horse and saddle in Point Arena. He had lost his money at cards and had a quarrel. He had cut a stick and when found was standing upright in the water with the stick grasped in one hand. His pistol was in his pocket, but showed no sign of having been recently discharged. It contained no empty shells. A bullet wound in the head from a 32 caliber pistol indicated that a murder had been committed. A bullet had entered the left temple and was cut out over the right eye. Doctors declared that death must have been instantaneous. The hidden mysteries continue over the years. In 2019, the Press Democrat discusses how the CHP tries to identify a body found in the Wallala River. The identity still remains elusive. In 1999, Tony Joseph Grafanti mysteriously disappears on his way to Wallala. A human skull with dental records matching that of Grafanti was found later in 2003. The case is still unsolved. And to top off the weirdness, there have been recorded sightings of UFOs in 2001. So, perhaps Wallala is not the quiet town it seems to be. Perhaps every quiet town is not as it appears. What I can say is that there is something truly magnificent when you stare into the crashing waves of the ocean. The sound of the waves is deafening and seems to engulf your entire soul if you focus long enough. Walking underneath the redwood canopy is entrancing and definitely different than that of any other forest I've ever been to. Standing next to the enormous stumps from a bygone era, I feel as I could hear the loggers from the late 1800s working hard. Walking through the giants, there is a tingle in the air. It's as if you can hear fairies whispering. Thank you for joining me on this evening's wanderings. Next week, we will be taking a dive down the coast of Highway 1 with some specific points of interest that I think you will find quite intriguing. Remember, stay curious.